Warning, anime out of context has strong language, spoilers, stupidly wrong ideas, and general silliness. Neither of our hosts are professionals and do not take their opinions as such. Listen at your own discretion and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Anime Out of Context, the show where I attempt to explain the sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, but always hilarious world of anime. And I weigh the pros and cons of self-lobotomies. I'm Sean Rollins. And I'm Remington Chase. And let's get started, shall we? So, Remington, normally I choose an anime that's pretty weird. It's got a bit of a strange thing to it, or it's got some kind of oddity that most normal people would find to be, well, odd. Yeah, some quirk. But, you know, this week I I just chose an anime that has a popular trope, but I think it's quite good. Not because I want to give you a break a or good anything. anime? Yeah, and it's not because I want to give you a break or anything. Uh, it's just that I, you know, I happened to watch an anime that I really liked, and I thought, hey, it could be good for the podcast, and, you know, it's not like I like you or anything. <laughs> oh, boy, there's there's a anime phrase in here somewhere. Oh, what you're doing is you're you're being the trope, aren't you? That's what you're doing. I'm already on to you, Sean. Whatever trope you are teaching me this week, you are now acting out. <laughs> Don't be such an idiot. Why would I do something like that, Remington? Oh, God. I, uh, I dislike what's happening here. <laughs> if you keep talking, I'm going to hit you. Oh, God. This is uncomfortable. I miss the old Sean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have him back for at least a little while. Because today, Remington, a trope that I really have to stress deeply to you is none other than the Sundere trope. Okay, Sundere is something I have heard. It's 100% something I've heard, and I've heard it many times. Mm -hmm. That's because it is easily the most popular character trope used in modern anime. Before you did your little bit, your little Sundere bit, Mm. I had no idea what Sundere meant. Despite seeing the word a lot, I had no idea what it actually would be defined as. After seeing your bit, I feel like I understand it now. So what do you think a Sundere is? Uh, So here is my very professional definition of Sundere based on a 10-second skit done by you. I would define Sundere as that sort of awkward, nervous lover who wants to hide the fact that they're totally into somebody. And it's totally like that puppy love type thing. You know what? You're on the right track. Heck yeah. So... Uh, See, Sean, we don't even need you anymore. I'll teach myself (laughs) anime from now on. Perfect. Yeah, no, I'll just uh, go watch more anime and (laughs) retreat into my horrible, neat lifestyle. Anime Out of Context will just become a podcast where I talk to myself about absurd ideas that I get about anime without even watching them. I'll just talk about anime. We'll skip the watching. We'll skip the you. I'll just talk about it with having uh, my, my vast education. Honestly, isn't that just how you live your life anyways? It really is. Anyway, my friend, Sundares. Last time we talked about a dere was the Yandere, which was the yes. very dark, very uh, sick love type of, of trope. This time, however, it's a much more 
positive trope, I suppose you could say. Okay. Like, you won't have as many sundares plotting to chop off your head. Thank God. And let's be real. We've all dated somebody who is a total sundare. From my little understanding, I can definitely attest to that. Right. So a bit more specific on sundares. Sundares is another dare trope, which is, of course, a lovey-dovey trope, mm -hmm. where it takes the prefix sun, which, if I remember correctly, means something along the lines of shell. Okay, so you have so shell as in you are in your shell and mm -hmm. you're very shy. Very good, very good. So it's usually classified as a character that when you first see them on the outside, they are very cold and rude and kind of distant okay. to the people that they like. You know, they don't really deal with their emotions too well. Yeah. But once you hang around with them enough and you kind of break through their shell, it turns out they're just a little shy, a little awkward, a little clumsy, and they have this cute, or dare side, that, you know, can melt even the coldest of hearts. Okay. Okay, yeah, okay, I feel like I understand this one a lot quicker than I did Yandere. Yeah, Yandere is a bit more of a specific dark trope, but it is the same basic principle. You've got a certain persona on the outside, once you get past that shell, you get the, uh, the true person underneath. So what we're ultimately learning here, Sean, is that what love is all about is completely hiding your true self until they get close enough and then hoping they accept you. That's anime for you. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be real, that's basically how most relationships go anyways. Isn't it? <laughs> it's just life, at least for us. Oh, God help. So today I decided to give you a really good example of a sundere. Probably my favorite example of a sundere, if not the best example. Now, this is a very argued topic because sundares are everywhere in anime. Even characters you wouldn't think outright, that's a sundere, are actually sundares. One that comes to mind is Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Oh man, Vegeta, you are such a tsundere. So Vegeta, I've just laughed, but that makes way too much sense. Yep. <laughs> a tsundere, they're just a pineapple. They're all prickly on the outside, but then you get that tropical sweetness on the inside. That is the best analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> the pineapples of the world. <laughs> I like to compare my anime tropes to fruit, Sean. And what would you classify yandere as? Oh, God. Yandere's would be durians because they will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But I think I've kept uh, this subject going on a little too long. The anime that you are going to witness today is called Toradora. Toradora the Explorer? Not quite. It's Toradora with an exclamation mark at the end. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, you have to have that exclamation mark. So Toradora is a slice of life rom-com, you know? This, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> I actually mean it this time. <laughs> I genuinely do, I promise. Because when we talked about Yandere's, I, I tried to fake you out and give you a really dark and creepy one. This one I actually genuinely mean is a romantic comedy. Okay. Does Toradora translate to anything? Yes, kind of. So it's an abbreviation of Tora, which is Japanese for tiger, and Dora, which is like Doragon. <laughs> so tiger dragon. Basically. Okay. And now this makes a lot of sense in this context of the show. Trust me. I'll, I'll trust you for now. All right. So what this show is about is about the thing that is on every teenager's mind. Sex? 
Remington, these kids are in high school. <laughs> that hasn't stopped them before, Sean. <laughs> Don't go accusing me as if I'm the one in the wrong here. When every single indication of every anime we have seen this far has sexualized underage kids. I can't believe you would think that, Remington. No, love, Remington. Of course, love, love. is the important yeah, love. thing. It's what every teenager has on their mind. Of course. Mm-hmm. Dirty, dirty man. <laughs> so Toradora starts with our main protagonist, Ryuji. Ryuji. Yep, and Ryuji, the prefix Ryu is dragon in Japanese. Okay, he's dragon boy. Yeah, he's the dragon in the Dora. Okay, okay, and so the girl is going to be Doruji. Doruji? <laughs> no, Remington. <laughs> That's not how Japanese works. <laughs> Oh my goodness, no. Uh, yes, the main character is uh, Ryuji Takasu, right? There's a picture of him. Pretty decent looking guy. Blue hair, you know, decent enough face. Alright, Ryuji, heart to heart, man to man, right now, I'm looking at a picture of Ryuji. Please break the 100% streak we have of whiny bitch ass male protagonists. That's all I ask! Well, I've got some good news for you. Oh. He has a personality. Oh, thank God. And it's not whiny. Oh, this is, we're breaking new ground here. Nope, he actually has a lot more personality than all of the characters I've shown to you so far. Oh, I'm excited. So Ryuji, on the outside, it's kind of hard to tell because anime, but on the outside, he looks a bit like a thug, a delinquent, a bit like, you know, someone untrustworthy, mm -hmm. scary appearance. And in actuality... He's just a really nice guy who loves doing cleaning and cooking and housework and such. So, to utilize my newly found knowledge, he is a tsundere. Not quite. What the fuck? Technically, I suppose you could attach that label to him. But the thing is, he doesn't try to hide that fact. People just assume he is a violent punk of a teenager. When in actuality, he's like, no, I just, I'm just being me, man. Come on. No, I can clean this if you like. And he's just a genuinely nice guy. And, you know, of course, if you look scary, but you're a nice guy, causes problems for you in high school. The other character is Taiga Aisaka. Okay, so she's a, a taiga or a tiger. Yeah. Oh, man. Her I name this sounds out like real... tiger. So it, it, is, is taiga Japanese for tiger or does it just sound like tiger? Uh, it can be used as tiger, but it, it mostly sounds like tiger. Okay. And... Taiga is our Sundere of the story. She definitely, I'm seeing a picture of her now. She totally has resting bitch face. Yep. That's a common trait of a lot of Sundere's actually. So Taiga is kind of the obvious example of a Sundere, right? You cross her path, you wrong her in some way, even if it's slight, she gets angry, she snaps, and she might violently strike back. Uh, she's very cold to other people and only kind to a certain amount of people. You're a typical sundere. So are yandere's and sundere's like the yin-yang of the dere world, where one of them, one of them will outwardly kill you but inwardly love you, and the other one will inwardly kill you but outwardly love you? Kind of, yes. There, There is that comparison, which is why I wanted to show you sundere's this time. Of course. Because there's quite a few uh, contrasting viewpoints on the two tropes. And Taiga is, well, a lot of her problems come from physical appearance, too. She's tiny, like super short. Her height is, in fact, 144 centimeters. So, you know, just, oh un boy. Uh, just under five feet. Basically. Yeah, that's super short. Yeah, but she's small and she's angry half the time and violent. So she's gotten the nickname the Palm Top Tiger 
<laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm having as with the Andre episode, I'm having so many flashbacks to previous girlfriends. Yep. High school, man. It's an interesting time, wouldn't you say? So glad we're out of it. Uh-huh. So the story begins where it's the second year of Ryuji's um, high school career. He is a junior in high school, and he's going to start with a new class, and his goal is to, you know, make a good first impression, because he doesn't want a bunch of people thinking he's a delinquent punk. Obviously. You know, because that's stressful for a young boy. And of course... Taiga shows up, they interact in the hall, Ryuji accidentally bumps into her, basically, because he doesn't see her, because she's small. Ah. And she responds violently <laughs> by punching him in the face. Of course. That's, As you do. That's the reasonable solution. And then the That's what I do whenever I fall in love, Sean. Yep. <laughs> Quick, swift shot to the face. Now, here's the thing. That's how we met. <laughs> I do remember that, that experience. Now you understand. Yeah. I wasn't able to eat for a week after that. As you were saying, Sean. So after that first poor impression, um, later in the school day, Ryuji comes across Taiga again, and a very embarrassing situation comes down of it, and Ryuji finds out... That Taiga is in love with his best friend. Uh, oh, this was unexpected. Right. I I expected it to be very straightforward, but it has not started out as such. Yep. And because of that, you know, that could lead to an interesting interaction. It's like, oh, you're interested in my best friend? That's kind of weird, but all right. And the best friend's name is uh, Kitamura. Kitamura. Yeah. Okay. And think, okay, that's interesting. Of course, Taiga is embarrassed because he finds this out, and he's like... Well, look, that's nothing to be embarrassed about. You were going to talk to him and confess to him. That's a step farther than I ever got. So then Ryuji reveals that, look at all this stuff I made in the uh, potential preparation for going on a date with the girl I'm crushing on. So he literally just has a box of, like, mixtapes and uh, oh my God. itineraries for plans and such. And he's like, I could never get to the point of asking her out myself, so I could only fantasize. See, not anywhere near as embarrassing as you actually trying to ask someone out. That is super embarrassing. It is. If I saw anybody present me just, like, a box full of all of these failed fantasies about the girl they were into, like, I would try and be supportive, but at the end of the day, I... I am not talking to that person again. Well, he did it out of an act of kindness, you know, because Taiga is crying at this point because she's freaking out because someone knows her secret. Yeah, that's not the way you help people. Hey, I understand that you're going through a difficult time, but look how terrible I am at life. Well, that's the thing about Ryuji. He's kind of the kind moron in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, he thinks about a lot of things, but he overthinks it to the point where he, his kindness ends up backfiring, usually. A moronic main character? Well, thank goodness at least I have experience here. <laughs> He is much better than other male protagonists, I promise. Okay, I'll, I'll trust you till we watch it. While ruffling through this box of crap, she comes across the name of the girl he was crushing on and was like, you like Minorin? Which is her best friend, oh, Minori Kushieda. Oh, this is so unexpected. I expected them to immediately love each other. This is not, ooh. Right? So as it turns out, they're each crushing on each other's best friends. If their best friends are end up crushing on them, then we got like a Midsummer Night's Dream situation going on. Right. A complicated love story, even. Ooh. Uh, we have not seen a, a complicated love story. The most complicated we've seen is everybody wanting Kirito's dick in episode two. 
I don't know. I feel like the situation with Unogasai was a bit more complicated. I know that's that's very straightforward. That's love me or I'll chop your dick off. That there's <laughs> nothing complicated about that equation, Sean. If a girl comes up to you and says, "Love me or I'll chop your dick off," your option is to love her. That's it. Fair enough. But that is what this show is about. It is about the antics of Ryuji and Taiga trying to help each other get with their best friends. Okay, I dig it. Right? And all the failures and comedy that comes along the way. And just honestly, it's a good representation of adolescent romance. Because there's a lot of awkwardness, there's a lot of silly mistakes, there's a lot of assumptions being made. Honestly, it's just a really charming and fun show that had a really good ending as well. Okay, I'm looking forward to it, though I am a little bit concerned. And why is that, Remington? With this, I'm not concerned so far about anything you've told me about the anime itself, except one thing, and that is that this is an anime that you quite enjoy. Now, last episode, you showed me an anime that you absolutely hated. Right. And I ended up decently enjoying it. So I'm very worried that we'll see the antithesis here, an anime that you quite like, and then I will just end up despising. Now, I don't think that's likely. I'm still optimistic here, but that is a concern of mine. I think that there's just enough dash of moe in the show <laughs> that you're going to be okay with it. And I think some of the jokes like will to, make I would it like laugh. to argue that I am not moe trash, despite... <laughs> Despite liking 100% of the Moe content, which is just one so far, that has been listed in this podcast. Yeah, and Moe is such a subjective term, literally any anime could have it in there. But I feel like there might just be the right amount of dash for you to be enthralled. Because <laughs> the characters are all different and weird enough that you kind of can't help but like them for the most part. They do a lot of stupid things, to get me wrong, but they're teenagers in high school dealing with romance. Who doesn't do stupid things in that yeah. scenario? So, Remington, it's got to be said. Are you ready? Oh, boy. I hope that I'm ready. Uh, I feel I feel far more optimistic than I have any reasonable expectation to be. The past two episodes we we've had, I have been positive, which is unthinkable, unimaginable. We have potential to have a streak of three where I, if I'm being perfectly honest, Sean, was skeptical we'd ever have a streak of one anime that I enjoyed. <laughs> so already, by a factor of infinity, we've exceeded my expectations. I'm going into this hopeful, excited, this is gonna be great. Screw it, you know, it won't just be great, Sean. This anime is going to be the single greatest anime of all time. That is some bold praise, my friend. <laughs> and there's one more thing I want you to consider before we go into this. Okay. I've been trying to figure this out every time I've rewatched this series. I can't tell if the author of this series likes birds or not. Oh, pardon me? <laughs> yeah, no, there's a... Uh, that, that didn't... I was not anticipating uh, a question on the benevolence of birds uh, to pop up in this anime. Well, it's a very relevant question when you're talking about Toradora. <laughs> is it? It is. Because there is a, I suppose, comedic side character is the best way to put it, of Ryuji's pet bird. Um, Iko, I believe, was the name. And this bird is disturbing, to say the least. Oh, God. And it's baffled me. Every time I've rewatched this, I'm just like, okay, either this person really loves birds and understands that birds can be weird and strange, or they really hate birds, but in that case, why would they put this monstrosity 
in their their story. This is a strange last-minute edition. It's one that has been perplexing me for years, Remington. <laughs> I need your help. All right, well... On the other side, once we have watched a couple episodes, we will not only figure out whether or not I like Toradora, but we will also have a definitive answer for does the creator of Toradora like birds? We'll see you in a few. And it's not like you have to come back or anything. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We have watched three episodes of Toradora, and we are ready to come to our conclusions. But first, Sean, a very pressing matter. In part one, I promised everybody that we would have a decision made about a very important issue. Arguably the most important aspect of this entire show. You have been wondering for the longest time, Sean, whether the creator of Toradora likes birds yes it has been driving me nuts all the way since 2008 when this anime first aired it has been driving me nuts i just don't understand did they put the bird in and you know think like if they like birds then maybe they know that birds can be jerks and weird and are making fun of that fact or they just really hate birds and they wanted to show how much they hate birds, but if that's the case, why put it in your story? I just don't understand, Remy. Alright, so here's, let me assuage all worries, concerns, and anxieties about this issue, because I have the conclusion. In Toradora, the bird is an absolute abomination of a creature, but the creator likes birds. That is my conclusion. Not only do I believe that the bird is shown in a positive light, almost completely ignorant of the fact that it is a complete abomination, but here's here's my real, real thing that tops it off. In every single episode, there is a three or four second bit that shows the same couple of birds that I think shows a certain reverence to all birds. And that is the entire reasoning for why I think the creator likes birds. So everybody, you now have your answer. The creator of Toradora likes birds. Case closed. Perfect. Ah, and speaking of, that leads into a very good discussion topic. The comedy. Yes. So previously we've talked about rom-coms in the past. We've talked about primarily Rosario Vampire which is defined as a romantic comedy. But there was a slight problem with that, as it lacked all positive qualities of both romance and comedy. And then we went to Sword Art Online, also a romantic comedy, also not funny at all, in my opinion. Then we went to Mirai Nikki, not a romantic comedy, still pretty entertaining and still uh, a decent bit humorous. Oh yeah. And then we went to Himoto Omaru-chan, uh, which was a comedy, and Moe Trash, and I enjoyed it, so... You are devolving, my friend. You are becoming the trash that you so feared. <laughs> but so we have another romantic comedy, and the question is, is it actually funny? And it was! I was very... This has probably been the funniest anime that we've seen so far, in my opinion. Okay, so Rem, what do you think makes this show funny? There's going to be one of the biggest things, and I've mentioned this before of reasons why I like shows or not, but also one of the reasons why the humor works so well, and that's the self-awareness element to it. If a, something is self-aware about what it's doing, it'll do it well. And something that uh, Toradora has going for it is it's so over the top. Like, mm -hmm. 
absolutely over the top, but it knows that it is. It knows it's being so ridiculous and silly, and so it's able to allow you to embrace those moments too, because it's not through negligence, but yet again, it is a very deliberate decision. Yeah, it's almost like it's a really good representation of the silliness of teen romance. Yeah, it takes that and it very well hyperbolizes it uh, and takes it to the highest extreme while at the same time still quite accurately representing it. And that's what makes Toradora so, so good. Like, if I remember correctly, the average review for the show is around 8 to 8.5 out of 10 which is really high, all things considered. Yeah. And uh, Taiga herself is considered one of the best sundares ever written. Now, there's a lot of other sundares that compete for that spot, but Taiga will always have my heart because she has a lot of realism based in her character. Even and... with my lack of anime knowledge, for once I think you've said something that'll frustrate some people. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> For once, the death letters can be mailed to Sean Rollins. Bring it on. I say Taiga is best Sundere. <laughs> I will stand by that opinion. And don't get me wrong. I would agree, but she's the only Sundere I know. Oh, right you know now. Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know exactly two Sundares in, uh, in Taiga and Vegeta. So that's it. <laughs> Perfect. And just to, for some clarification... I do like Asuka. Remington, you don't know who Asuka is. You're going to learn about Asuka. She's the other big tsundere. Completely different show. That'll Was be it? Wait. No. Oh, I'm thinking of Asuna. Yeah, I don't know Asuka. Nope. You will one day, and you'll understand why a lot of people find her to be one of the best tsundere's, but I just like You Taiga know what, more. Sean? For the sake of conflict, I'm saying right now, right here, Asuka is the best tsundere. That's my stance. Well, I'm making that stance. We need to add some some conflict in the podcast, I think, Sean. So that's why I'm taking that stance. I am all in the Asuka camp. You don't have enough conflict with me trying to force down trashy anime? <laughs> that's not enough conflict for you? What do I have to do, Rem? Uh, well, I mean, so far, it, it's been... Uh, the, the past few episodes have been just fine and dandy. So, see, that's why I feel the need to add a little bit more conflict. Anyway, back back to Toradora. So, Toradora really sold itself on the comedy and the romance. Let's talk a little more about the romance that we saw in the first three episodes. I'd like to hear what you think about how they paced out the different romantic um, encounters, you might call them. Yeah, I thought that it was really interestingly done. So let's take it a little on an episode-by-episode episode level. Okay. So in the first episode, you have basically everything you've told us already. The fact that it's revealed that Taiga and Ryuji, they like each other's best friends. That's revealed, but it's not taken too far. Essentially, you just have them start that friendship with one another and reveal that they like each other's best friends, which I think is all that needs to be revealed in the first episode. So great pacing on the first episode. Right. Biggest thing that happened in episode two, which minor spoiler, but it's episode two, rule of three episodes of anime, you're going to watch it eventually, is... Well, Taiga's and Ryuji's attempts at trying to get closer to Kitamura, to Taiga. Yeah, they actually start to try and get 
Taiga with with Ryuji's best friend, and the actual process starts. And I, was it in episode two that she actually makes the move? Yep. Yeah. So I thought this was very interesting. I didn't anticipate this to happen until quite a bit later, but towards the end of episode two, Taiga actually takes the leap and she tells Ryuji's best friend, hey, I like you. And then he just sort of ambiguously shrugs her off, which I wasn't sure exactly how I felt about it, but I really liked that that moment happened. Because, Sean, you were there with me. I was predicting that there would be some sort of mistake or misunderstanding that would cause that moment to not exist. Because that's a moment that you'd expect to happen towards the end. It's already built up quite a lot this potential romance between Taiga and Ryuji's best friend. And so the fact that they actually had her tell her feelings and profess her feelings to him so early on, it didn't feel too out of place. And I thought that it was a good decision because it was an interesting one. Yeah, I agree completely. And the best part is it didn't dissuade her as much as you think it would. Because usually when you're in a teenage romance scenario, as soon as you get, like, an ambiguous answer or a flat-out rejection, you kind of have to give up then and there, lest you be uh, marked as a creep or a stalker. Oh, yeah, but Taika, she takes no shit. She's given an ambiguous answer. She's she's pushed down. She's getting right back up. She's getting what she wants. All right, let's talk a bit more about the characters themselves, which is always my favorite part of our discussion. Of course. So let's talk about the main dude, the main male protagonist. Let's talk about Ryuji, and let's see what your thoughts are on him. <sighs> Ryuji isn't great. He's not as bad as our previous male protagonists have been by any means. That being said, he still continues the tradition of weak and relatively uninteresting male protagonists. He just wasn't doing it for me. He does have a personality, though. He does have much more of a personality than what we've seen so far. But especially compared to the other characters, I really didn't care about him. He is a vessel for the other more interesting characters and the story. I like his part in the story, but overall, he is just a vessel for that. He is the eggs of your breakfast. It's nice <laughs> to have... But I really need that bacon, sausage, and toast to go along with it. Otherwise, I'm in for a disappointing time. Really? You need exactly eggs, bacon, sausage, and toast in your breakfast or else your entire meal is ruined. If there's even one alteration, Sean, then I just won't eat. I'll throw it away. I'm done with it. I'm a very specific breakfast eater, damn it. <laughs> that explains so much, Remington. <laughs> Okay, so Ryuji didn't do it for you, but you do like the improvements made to the fact that we have a protagonist that does have some personality traits as opposed to just being edgy and cool for no particular reason. It's a step in the right direction. You can actually understand why a girl might like Ryuji. Yeah, I would disagree, but I'd understand. All right, then let's talk about his uh, male counterpart. Let's talk about Kitamura. Oh yes, the, the best friend. Uh, unfortunately, I also didn't really care for Kitamura, the best friend. He was slightly better than Ryuji, but still, for many of the same reasons, he's just more eggs. <laughs> more eggs, huh? I'm, I'm really big on the food analogies with anime characters today. Are you I, sure you're not just hungry? I haven't eaten much today, Sean, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> More eggs. Okay, would you say he's a different style of egg then? He's eggs that have been salted a little bit. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're a little bit more interesting, but they're still eggs. 
okay. But don't you think it's a nice uh, correlation to his friendship with Ryuji, how they have enough of a similar baseline personality that they get along really well? Yeah, I guess so. I think their relationship, I it was actually one of the least developed, at least in the first three episodes, and I'm sure it's developed more later, but we didn't get to see too much of it yet, and the fact that the pacing has been so good on all other relationships, I feel a little bit let down on this front. So I fully expect that that would change if we watched more episodes, but ultimately, between those two, they're a solid meh. Which, they're not terrible, but they're probably some of the worst parts of Torador so far. I will confirm this. As the show progresses, their personalities get flushed out and they have character development. Oh, character development. Who'd have thunk it? So, character development in anime? That's unheard of. It's almost like some shows can have good writing. <laughs> it's happened already in the podcast, and yet I'm still skeptical. <laughs> All right, that's enough about the dudes. Nobody cares to hear about the dudes of a show. When you talk about romance in a show, you want to talk about the girls the main female characters. And in Toradora, there are three. Problem is, in the first three episodes, you only get to see two of them. Yep, uh, for anybody listening, whoever the blue-haired chick is, she was in the intro a lot, so I know she's important. I know she's a main character. I know nothing about her. Yeah, and he couldn't wait to get to episode five. We have a three to four episode rule. I've been burned once already. You gotta wait for me to watch more anime. Even a good anime, I have my limits. Mm, I'll break those limits eventually, my friend. Oh, God. Pretty soon you'll be like, eh, three to four. It's not enough. <laughs> I need more of my Moe bullshit. <laughs> It has been further confirmed that I am, in fact, Moe Trash. Every time the Palm Top Tiger showed up, the adorable little tiger, oh my god, I loved it. Uh, anyway, back to the focus, back to the girls. Let's talk about who I think is probably your favorite girl. Let's talk about Minori. Minori is fantastic. I love Minori, possibly my favorite female character of an anime that we have seen so far. Yeah, Minori is a very interesting character because... Whereas we've seen a lot of female characters that are very dour and very straightforward in their things, Minori is just stupidly positive and referential and just overall pleasant to watch. Yeah, she's she's super positive, but in a way where she's aware of what's going on around her. Like, she's not completely stupid, which is usually, usually the counterpoint to being super positive and talented at things is you're a bit ditzy. But Minori isn't really that ditzy. She's just really energetic and motivational, and she works super hard, and she's there to help out everyone around her. And it's genuinely uplifting. So often those characters can fall flat, but they created her in in such a way where I understand what the other characters see in her. Which is awesome because that also means more good writing in characters. It's crazy. I know, it's hard to imagine. Okay, so Minori, you think that's your best girl of this show then? Uh, I think so, yeah. That's fair, that's fair. A lot of people like to assume that. But the thing is, as you watch the show, your opinion might change. Oh, that's, ooh, that's ominous. The, yeah, that's the sign of more to come in your show. But... We've stalled long enough. Let's talk about the main subject of this podcast. Let's talk about everybody's favorite Sundere, Taiga. And I am standing by that. Best girl, Taiga forever. Team Asuka. Mm. All right, so for Taiga, 
I really enjoyed her as a character. She's super sassy, super uh, no-nonsense. Yet again, she's an aware character of what's going on. I really appreciated how she shut up all of Ryuji's bullshit that he was spewing, which was just so great in that it showed, yeah, we know it's bullshit, and she's going to call him on it. Which is fantastic, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I've mentioned it many times before in the podcast. I'm a man who enjoys sassy characters. Taiga's super sassy, super interesting to watch. Yeah, and what do you think of how she handles Ryuji? Like, I like how she shuts him down whenever he says stuff that's very... What's the phrase I'm looking for? Generic or just blindly kind? Yeah, my favorite uh, example of this, if I may uh, slightly go tangential, at one point they're having a conversation where Ryuji is talking about Minori and just having those wishful thinking and he's trying to understand Minori. And at one point, Taiga just shuts him up and says something along the lines of, enough with that, oh, I'm the only one who can understand her bullshit. And I love that so much because that's a mentality that exists too much. So the fact that they have a character partaking a bit in that very pseudo nice guy, white knight mentality, and then it's just completely torn apart in a moment. That's, it's so good. It's so good and refreshing. Yeah, it's nice too, because that is the way a lot of young romances go. Oh yeah, you have that oversimplified look at this nice guy who they're just meant to be and it's so straightforward and there's a right thing. And with Toradora, even though it seems rather obvious to me, whether this happens or not, I don't know, but I feel like I know that the main two characters are going to end up together. Nonetheless, it doesn't feel like it's super destined to be. It feels like it's going to happen organically rather than because they're star-crossed lovers. So you're saying it's like an actual high school romance where things develop over time and emotions and feelings get thought through after a period of time and it's not just blindly running in to, hey, that girl's attractive and she has a decent enough personality from the get-go. That's the girl I'm going to fall in love with. Yeah, and so far I've really enjoyed watching Taiga and Ryuji's friendship start to build. That being said, even though I'm very confident that they're going to end up together, I personally would prefer if they didn't do it because it does feel very obvious to me. But I won't count that against them too much, especially because it hasn't even happened yet. I really do enjoy their relationship and how it's grown so far. Which is good. It's organic and it's fun to watch. Yeah. But is if they do end up together, is that really a bad thing? It's not the worst thing in the world. It would be a perfectly fine conclusion. The biggest negative is just that it's so obvious. And maybe if they tried to make it less obvious, then I would be more accepting of it. And even then, I don't think that it's a terrible choice to make. I just wish that there were more viable options that I could think were possible. That's fair. That's fair. And they do throw in some curveballs here and there as the show progresses, which is what makes it a really good show, as you said. Of course. But really, friend, I'm of the opinion, journey before destination. Oh, without a doubt. Now, Sean, there is 
one girl who we did not discuss, who I feel the need to discuss. Oh, I don't know who you could be talking about at all, right? Let's talk about Ryuji's mom. What? You have a problem with that? I mean, it's just his mom. What's so What's so wrong about it? Oh, Ryuji's mom. Scratch everything I said about Ryuji. Ryuji's mom is my least favorite character. I think her archetype of playing this, like, super sexualized uh, hostess character, I understand. Uh, and I think that fits well with the anime. But I feel like her execution, too much for the fan service than for the story and the character in of itself. And I just thought it was the laziest done. And then also, it feels too Oedipin for me. Uh, too much of an Oedipus complex where his mom is super hypersexualized and acting far too flirtatious with him. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Fortunately, she is a minor character, but it was major enough that I think it's worth noting. <laughs> well, she does play a more important role later on in the story. Again, no spoilers, because... She actually bangs the best friend, and that irreparably ruins their relationship. That would be both interesting and terrible at the same time, Remington. Oh, God, it'd be so bad. <laughs> and yet, I say that, and I know there's an anime out there where that's the plot. Just the law of numerous animes dictates that whatever bad idea I satirically come up with, it's going to exist. And who was the great philosopher that came up with that one? I think it was written in the Bible, actually. Written in, in the Bible? Uh, Chase 418. <laughs> I'll have to look that up later, just to be sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in our scriptures that we hold, uh, that we hold near us with every recording of anime out of context. Yep, just so we don't lose our faith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you guys did not know, we are just a, a heavily Christian podcast. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about anything crude, lewd, or rude. <laughs> All right, uh, what what else is there for us to discuss, Sean? Well, let's talk more about the archetype of Sundares themselves. So, why do you think Taiga is a good tsundere, knowing the baseline of what makes a tsundere? Well, I think, first of all, she obviously captures the tsundere archetype very well. Outside, she's super aggressive, but you do get the occasional moments of vulnerability. Something that I think would make her a great tsundere, and why she's probably recognized as one of the best, is two things. One, it's not an on and off switch of anger and vulnerability. There are moments of varying anger, varying vulnerability, and some areas in between. So you don't just have these two dimensionals, one or the other, it's a gradient. And then even further than that, those aren't the only two elements of her character. She is not defined solely by being a tsundere. She has other elements that make her a real character as well. And so I think those would be the reasons why people recognize her as a very strong tsundere. She fits the archetype amazingly, but that's not all she does. So they built, they used the baseline, then built up from it. Exactly. And honestly, that is really all it takes to have a good tsundere. Like, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Just use the Cinderay trope as a baseline, then build from that. Because that's really all you need for a good character. Start with a baseline and then add some spice and flavor. Or sausage and bacon, as you so colloquially referred to it as. Of course. So, Remington, it's got to be said three times in a row. 
The unthinkable has happened. For the third time in a row, I've enjoyed an anime. I now The stars have aligned oh so perfectly. Maybe this podcast is just going to be me enjoying animes instead of me being dreadful and confused and frustrated. That's fantastic, Remington. However... Oh, God. You have screwed up my perfect curriculum. I have worked night and day figuring out which animes I want to do... Oh, no. ...to show you so that I could give you the best education, best baseline, so that you could have a better understanding of anime as a whole. You know... How how have I screwed it up? By liking too many of them? Yes! (laughs) My plan was to show you lots of trash and then sprinkle some chocolate in the middle. You know, just so that you're like, well, this is trash, but hey, look, there's some positivity. That's why I put, you know, Mirai Nikki at episode three, because I thought, okay, he's had two trash in a row. That's fine. And then I thought, okay, I'll count for a really good show with some trash that is Umaru. But then you ended up finding some positive factors and ended up turning into Moe trash, which I did not expect. (laughs) And then I was like, well, I already know what I'm doing for episode five since Sundare is such an important topic. And if he likes this one, that's three in a row that he likes. I've what been a- quite spoiled. I'm going to have to pull out all the stops. Oh, God, I don't like the sound of this. The next anime we watch is going to have to have a similar theme, but is going to be the epitome of trash. Oh, no. So much trash that you're going to question your faith in humanity. I mean, but Sean, think about the listeners. Do they really want to hear me die on the inside? I do. (laughs) And quite frankly, I feel more important. (laughs) So next time, my friends, you're in for a bit of a treat. I don't like this. So before we finish off, friend... Would you like to sit down and watch a couple more episodes of Toradora with me? You know what? Especially preparing for the upcoming weeks I have ahead of me, I think that would be very nice. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you giving us a chance and listening to us. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or suggestions, feel free to send an email over onto animeoutofcontext at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for watching, and please come back, but you don't have to or anything. Uh...